episode 48 of the Triathlon Age Group Journey. I'm Matt Summer, one of your hosts, and with me as always are Jay Kinney and Jillian Carlson. We're all age group triathletes, just trying to do the best we can day to day, month to month, season to season. Never know what's going to be given to us on any given day. With us today, we have a great guest, super excited about him being here. Anthony Haddad is a public safety officer from New Jersey, and he's going to talk with us about his adventure into triathlon. And when I say his adventure into triathlon, I'm not joking. This guy went from doing no races ever in his entire life full-fledged, cannonball deep, straight into the Ironman distance at Lake Placid. So we'll hear what spurred that adventure and what got him started down that road. But before we get into it, Jay, Jillian, how you guys doing? Going pretty well. It's, let's see, I'm on a, on a streak, a workout streak, I think. So at least for the month of February, I mean, we're on February 2nd and I do have a swim plan for after this pod today, but I got my run in yesterday. So um, should be two for two in the month of Feb, which will be a better start um, than I might have had in January. Yeah, it's it's still super busy with work, but there were a few days where I would, you know, maybe think, oh, I can't even get my hour workout in, and it was like just just get thirty minutes, you know, just do something a for sanity, but b just because even that thirty minutes, I know. Um, you know, helps you in the long run. So might've had a bike that was only 30 minutes. And, um, I'm, I will say though, I'm, I'm feeling the effects of long hours at the desk. I think I'd heard a rumor that, you know, sitting for so many hours is like smoking a pack of cigarettes, which I will say I've not smoked a cigarette even in my life, but I imagine this is probably what it's like, at least on my run yesterday, I just felt like I was gasping for air and just felt so out of shape, even though I, I mean, I've been trying to do a little bit of something and I, I don't feel that way in the pool and haven't on the run either, either, but man, yesterday, sure. Whew, it was brutal. Um, but just decided to not look at the watch and just go by feel and knew that I was, you know, going hard when I was supposed to go hard and easy when I was supposed to, and just continue to have the faith and the belief that, you know, um, might not be where I want to be or where I've been for a long time, but keep on, keep on moving. And I'm hoping that I'm back into the routine of stacking consistency on top of consistency. But Actually, I will say, you know, we talked about this, uh, I think, two weeks ago, where I had made some conscious decisions to not do some workouts. Um, And usually this time of year, I'm sick. And I'm going to knock on wood because I don't want to blow it. We're still only barely into February. But I would have usually probably been sick by now. And and I've not been sick. So I will see that as the silver lining to feeling like I couldn't breathe on my run yesterday. Not sure which is better yet. We'll figure it out. I'll I'll figure it out maybe (laughs) in February. Well, I, for one, I'm happy to hear you're back in the saddle because yes. I know it's been a rough almost two months probably yes. if you really total it all up, right? Yep. Yep. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that, Jillian. One of the ambassador programs that I'm involved with, they did a 30 for 30 January type thing. And I was happy to get my 30 days in. Fortunately, I only missed January 1st of all days. <laughs> so at least had consistency that show up early this year for me. I did a timed mile at Masters today. I did not want to do it at all. In fact, I was going to pick a lane to not and just do the regular Masters workout. But, you know, the pushers pushed me and I <laughs> was a sucker and went for it. 
I didn't have any high gears or fast time, but you know, I would have just done the same time in a 70.3 that I've always done. So it worked out that my fitness is there. I just don't have that top end speed yet uh, of the year. So it was a good, good confidence booster in the pool today and uh, was excited to to see a reasonable time. I'll be honest, <laughs> I was not ready mentally to do it, but I just stuck with it. But anyway, yeah, I think a busy week at work and I need to share at least some generics that really blew me away. We visited a, a manufacturing facility that we're building and this manufacturing facility is going to produce over 200 million pounds of chocolate a year. Wow. Which, yeah, put the math together, folks. Uh, that is an insane amount of chocolate. So, and it has the capability of doubling in capacity. So, we have a major, major problem with sweets in America. I'm yeah. just going <laughs> to leave it at that. Absolutely. So, I'm almost. I don't know, a bit a bit ashamed that I'm a part of uh uh you know constructing such a thing, but at the same time it's it's mind-boggling to me and I'm trying to use that as inspiration to stop me from eating chocolate, but I have failed miserably this week with <laughs> endless supplies of chocolate on our tables and as you can imagine what uh, uh our client was treating us to. So it was all good though. We had a good time and uh yeah. Good. Looking forward to the weekend to get some long workouts and burn that chocolate off. <laughs> nice. How about you, Matt? What's been going on, bud? Uh, it's definitely been a week. Um, you know, kind of started out on a sour, a sour foot. I mean, unfortunately, my Baltimore Ravens, uh, they beat themselves. They beat yeah, they themselves. Did. You know, last Sunday, it wasn't the way I wanted that to end. Big Ravens fan, you know, great season, didn't end the way I wanted it to. But it's a game, you know, life goes on. But, um, you know, kind of on that nutrition front, I've been doing something a little different for the past couple of weeks. A while ago, a couple of years ago, I, I really tried a plant-based diet, trying to stick to it personally. You know, I felt great and I really had a lot of good energy from it. I found recovery was improving. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I kind of just kind of gravitated back to that. So for about three weeks now, I've been almost exclusively plant-based and just trying some different things with myself. And I got to tell you... It's remarkable. I mean, there's all these documentaries out there. They're all skewed. I know we've all seen different ones. I mean, you got Game Changers. You are what you eat. They're all over Netflix. It's a big buzz right now. And obviously, all the research can be skewed to persuade you one way or the other. But um, until you actually try it and do it and start to really feel the body, if you're that in tune... It's remarkable. I mean, I, you know, variety is the hardest thing. I'm having to learn to cook with some new things, try some new things out. But um, it really, really, it felt good. And, you know, maybe it's placebo effect, but I've seen the benefits in my workout. I feel like I'm recovering better. I feel like I'm hitting harder sets, been consistent with the training. I mean, so many variables. It's really been fun. So I'm going to try to continue down that path, kind of see how it looks uh, with training and with the lifestyle, but been enjoying that. Today's been a rough day. Honestly, um, I woke up at 3 a.m. Uh, nature called. And when I got up at three, um, I don't know if my eyes are sagging. I'm not caffeined up right now, but um, I was on Zwift at 348 this morning because I had a one hour easy ride to get in. And when when Strava logs it as a night ride. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, seriously, you know, like, oh my gosh. And you know, people were pinging me and they were like, what are you doing? And I was just like, ah, 
just got to get it in. I mean, it's been a busy day, uh, a lot of personal training, a lot of la- a lot of athlete calls this afternoon. We had the pod on. Just didn't have time to fit it in otherwise until after this. You know, I thought about just waiting and then I was like, you know what? It's going to be closer to my Saturday morning ride than at that point and does it even make a difference? So, yeah, got up, knocked it out. Um crazy, passionate, I don't know, synonymous maybe, don't know. Matt, I- I think we were we were joking that I think I had sent you a text to say good night and like 40 minutes yes. later you were waking up. So <laughs> she, she did. I got up and I kind of looked at my phone and Jillian literally 42 minutes ago had sent me a text saying, hey, good night, sweet dreams. You know, she's being real sweet. And I'm just like, hey, good morning. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think I replied, though. I think I was yeah. kind enough thinking that she may have just fallen asleep to just kind of let that be. But yeah, it's it's definitely been a day. No, but training, man, I'm in a good place right now. I got my Boston Marathon build going um, up to about two hour runs. Body feels good. Everything's progressing nicely. So I uh, feel real good about that. Confident moving forward. And um, yeah, trying to uh, pick a few races that I think will actually fit on my schedule and looking at White Lake half, which is coming up in early May. So about two weeks after the Boston Marathon, uh, looking at Coeur d'Alene 70.3, going to join Jillian and her brother-in-law out there for that. So um, a couple others along the way, but um, one big announcement, this is a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you guys remember back on one of our previous episodes, we had on uh, Jason Cole, Sean Howard, and Justin Weiderman of FT6. I've decided to race with uh, Team FT6 this year. So official member of that group, uh, looking forward to maybe just meeting up with those guys if I can coordinate it to get at a race, but I got my kit in the mail yesterday and I'll tell you what, it is sharp. You know, so super excited about just kind of, uh, I hate to say partying with those boys and girls, but just getting out there and representing team FT six. I wanted to give them a shout out and, um, you know, their kits are made by Jack Rue and, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, there's a very big name out there that announced that they were uh, aligning with Jack Rue this year as one of their sponsors, Jason West. Uh, so if it's good enough for Jason, God knows it's going to be good enough for me. So super excited about that. So yeah, some pretty cool stuff going on this past week. And didn't so. plan that I'm wearing my FT6 sweatshirt. I'm, I'm not racing in the guy's kit, but in the Jack Rue kit, but I, I am sponsoring them by wearing their sweatshirt. So Jason probably won't listen to this, but if you hear it, <laughs> I frequent the sweatshirt. Yeah, it's a regular part of my wardrobe. Nice. Hey, Matt, can I jump back on your plant-based diet? I think one of the challenges people face with that is enough protein. What have been your solutions to that uh, that challenge? Well, you know, the good thing, Jay, is I really probably already was about 90% plant-based when I really took an inventory of what I was eating. I mean, fruits and vegetables, a lot of nuts, um, a lot of hummus, you know, I was incorporating and, you know, I was incorporating grass-fed, free-range chicken, egg whites, not a beef fan, never been a beef fan. And I, I love sushi. That's been the hardest thing. Normally, Friday afternoons and Saturdays, I would go get sushi. Even last weekend, I was in the car on the way. And I think I was talking to Jillian. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get sushi and I can't eat it. What, you know, just out of habit, I got in the car to go get it. And I was like, oh, geez. Uh, But to answer your question, lentils, black beans, quinoa, tofu, tempa. um, I think you pronounce it seitan. 
Uh, it's not Satan, Sa- but Satan. Sa- is that Satan? Uh, They're Satan. I'm not 100 percent sure. All I know is I, I've had. Yeah, I have found a lot of good substitutes. I mean, there are some really crappy ones out there. I'm not going to use any names. I've tried a lot of stuff. Um, you just got to be super careful about what you're looking at. I mean, some of these things that are plant-based, look at the ingredient list. I mean, when you can't pronounce the things, that's a red flag to me. So I'm really trying to be mindful. I don't spend a lot of money dining out. I don't spend a lot of money on just other miscellaneous things. I I always have chosen to spend money on food. I mean, it's such an important piece of just the recovery process, the nutritional aspect, and um, you are what you eat. I can't stress that enough. And you know, I'm not advocating that everybody's got to go do this. I just think, you know, it's been kind of, uh, a neat thing for me to try and to experience. And, uh, will I have some meat at some point? Probably, you know, but given the opportunity, given the choice, I'm definitely going to gravitate down this direction. And, um, you know, no offense to the people out there. I use the word plant-based intentionally rather than vegan. I'm not against animal rights. I'm not, you know, I'm not against the, you know, the environment. Um, but honestly, my reason for doing this is a hundred percent selfish because I want to feel better. Better and function better. Well, I'll I'll ask our listeners to comment maybe on the show posts on Instagram with other ideas for protein yeah. sources, and maybe you'll get some, and others will too. Yeah, so, cool. All right. Well, before we get started with Anthony, I've got a pretty good quote I want to share with you guys. This one's a little bit more of a statement, you know, and definitely raised some conversation at the fitness center this week when I put this one up. So here we go. If you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, you don't have a circle, you have a cage. You know, when I read that, that was like a ouch. That one really hit home. I I loved it. And I was like, you know, we always want to put ourselves around people that are going to make us better, that are going to elevate us, that are going to hold us accountable, that are going to want us to be a better version of ourselves. Cage is a strong word. I will admit that, you know, but I think the general gist of that quote definitely shines through. What do you guys think? I agree. Cage is a strong word. There are times in life that you have to think of it as a cage. I I think if you're an alcoholic, you need to look at your circle and maybe part of that is a cage keeping you in alcoholism. Maybe not, but drug addiction, probably a cage. But I think there are times in life you do take inventory and recognize that the folks around you may not be supporting or positively influencing you in a direction that it supports your dreams and what you want to do. And there are other times in life you naturally just gravitate away from certain individuals because your life takes you in a certain direction. I think for a lot of us, triathlon is a great example of what can happen. Uh, It's a and can be a very selfish sport. It can and does require some pretty significant discipline and time. Being that we're busy age groupers uh, and this isn't our professional life, it means we are probably working out at times when people are asleep, partying, or doing other things that we have to use that free time to to get our miles in. Jillian, what do you think? I agree. A lot of times, you know, the people you're around, you know, it can influence your your mindset as well and impact or impact your headspace. And so you want to make sure that you're around, that you're surrounded by people as much as possible, that you either feel inspired or supported by. Sometimes, you know, if those 
people around you don't inspire you, but you don't maybe have, you don't have a choice, but to be around them, then sometimes it is a learning and growth opportunity for yourself of how to better interact with those people. If your situation presents such that you can't just, you know, up and leave or walk away or not be around them. But sometimes it's also about learning how to work with those people. Um, and that can be a challenge and a growth opportunity as well. I agree. I mean, one aspect of that that I thought about is like your training partners, the people you train with and are around. Or what? I mean, I know. You have training partners? Yeah, your training partners. What is, what's yeah, that? Right? What is yeah. that? <laughs> But I mean, just whoever your your uh, your crowd is, your yeah. tribe, if we want to refer to it that way, is you know, I know for me personally, it's like having faster people, faster people in the pool, faster people on the bike, faster people on the run. I mean, that elevates me, that motivates me, that makes me want to catch them, that makes me want to work that much harder to get to that level. I mean, I think we've all been there when you when you try to trail your non triathlete friends, or you always have friends where they're like, man, you're so fast. And it's like, well, thanks. But you know, I'm really not like, that person's fast. And there's always that other person we're trying to catch. I mean, and it's one of those things where for me, that's what I was getting out of this uh, part of this quote was, you know, you don't want to be kind of like trapped in this one little circle. You want to always have something to strive for, to reach for that, 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 that kind of far reach goal. And um, I think having people around you that elevate you, motivate you, catapult you, or kind of help push you in that direction and foster that growth mindset, if you will, that's super important. I don't know. Anthony, how about you, man? Welcome to the pod. Good to have you here. But what do you think about that? Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, it's a good, it's a good, solid, classic line. Uh, I grew up here and uh, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, right? We've yeah. all heard that, yeah. right? Yeah. But you can't be cutthroat. You got to just uh, keep having those people around you that both humble you, but then the friends that you got to pick up along the way. There's people that just get into sports and they kind of, uh, they geek out on it and they do all the reading and they might show Matt something he's never heard of, but they're on the lower end of the spectrum. They're definitely slower just starting out. Uh, in terms of nutrition and things like that. So definitely, it's a good, solid one. I love it. Good deal. Well, you just heard from Anthony Haddad. I told you he's our guest today for episode 48 of the Triathlon Age Group Journey. I'll go a little bit more backstory on Anthony. As I mentioned, Anthony's a public safety officer based out of New Jersey, and I first got the opportunity to meet Anthony back in 2021. Long story short, Anthony came to me as an athlete that I coached because his cousin, Ashley Gagnon, actually had signed up for a uh, triathlon for Ironman Maryland in 2021 and uh, was using me to coach her. And Anthony, uh, you know... I think he got the spur under his saddle. I don't know if it was competitive. I don't know what it was, but uh, I think he and his cousin had a little bit of anything you can do, I can do better going on. And next thing you know, Anthony and I are talking. So that's kind of a little precursor of the story. But Anthony, welcome to the pod. Happy to have you here. Excited to hear and have you fill in all the gaps of a little prelude I just gave. But I'm sure Anthony won't disappoint. Anthony's got quite the personality, and uh, I'm sure we're going to get some good stories out of this today. So, Anthony, welcome. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So, let's just jump right in, man. Tell us a little bit about your adventure into any type of organized sport that you had, all the way up to that phone call when you and I first interacted, and you're like, hey, yeah, I want to do this. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm as average as it gets. Just grew up in New Jersey in a in a pretty large city in northern New Jersey. I just uh, played all the high school sports. I played hockey, football, track and field. I did everything. So I've always been really active. Uh, I've always been in the gym since I was 14. It's always about getting bigger and bigger. That's all I cared about for a while. Perspective changed a little bit more into adulthood. I was like, oh, maybe that's not what girls like. And that was truly <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the motivator there. I'm like, oh, maybe they like a lean guy. So not saying that's a healthy perspective. Honesty. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. So I was like, all right. So I started cutting and stuff. And I'm just the kind of guy that always struggled with cutting, right? Uh, bulking, cutting, bulking, getting big in the holidays, getting skinny in the summer. Just a classic. I think it's a Jersey thing, really. But uh, even like, tell me if I'm wrong. I was like asking you about uh, caloric deficits while I was training for the Ironman. And you're like, you just don't get it, man. <laughs> it clicked. It clicked, though. A couple of, you know, learning what a bonk was. It clicked. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I got to feed the machine. I got to feed the machine. Just like, just like Matt's telling me. Yeah. Got to put fuel in the engine, baby. So, yeah. So what made you actually say, yeah, to doing an Ironman? How'd that, how'd that come uh, about? Uh, well, you're saying Ashley was like tit for tat with Ashley, my cousin, but no, it was actually another public servant in my area who I'm pretty good friends with. He's just a big, fat, middle-aged Irish guy. And, uh, <laughs> I love him. He's a great guy. And I've always, like, for some reason, just looked up to the guy. I couldn't tell you why. I just thought he was just funny, and I loved his perspective on life and things like that. And his 50th birthday, his wife, I never knew this about him. His wife had a, an Iron Man-themed party because he was just, that was his personality. And I'm like, what is the Iron Man? And I'm here, like, you know, I don't know, 15 beers in. And I'm like, what, like so what is the Iron Man? And he's laying out to me exactly what the, you know, the swim, the bike, the run, how many miles. And I'm like picking his brain, picking his brain. And, you know, the ego, I'm like, ah, doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> you know, he's like, he just looks at me dead serious. He says, you'll never do an Ironman. <laughs> End of conversation. Oh, it's all it and took. Motivation up. right That's there. It. So, yeah, so I started bugging Another him about alcohol induced iron man it's here we was. go it really was. <laughs> I, I started bugging him about how to get into it and he's like well it's, it's a lot there's a lot into it you know it gets full quickly uh it's probably going to be sold out if you don't get it immediately and i was like when are you doing your next one he was doing one that year and i volunteered for it so i volunteered at the aid station i'm an emt as well i volunteered there and then i got the priority registration i signed up and I was like, that was it. Nice. That's incredible. So even volunteering, had you started any training? I've always been training like just good, but I'm more of like a lift and Stairmaster guy. 20 minutes Stairmaster to lose, you know, in macros, like bodybuilding mentality. And um, the running, I feel like I've always been a decent runner um, just because through, you know, the academy and things like that. I was kind of in the top group running and I was like, oh, I kind of like running. So uh, running was the only strength I had. What about the swim? Were you even worried about that or were, did you grow up as a swimmer? I never knew how to swim. I never wow. knew how to swim. So I actually, I learned how to swim like very minimal skills just to pass a tryout we had for selection for a unit at my job. And that's the only reason I learned how to swim. 
And even then, I mean, just the eight laps that it was, was, you know, I was mind blown. Like, how am I going to swim, you know, two plus miles? What is it? Yeah. 2.4. 2.4. 2.4. Yeah. I'm just like, how am I going to do it? Um, but I just, a lot of trips to the pool, honestly, the drills on TriDot and I would put notes off YouTube in a, uh, little Ziploc bag off, uh, off the side of the pool. And I would, uh, just record myself, critique myself. And it was just completely just me. I wish I said I had someone that, that helped me so I could thank them right now, but it was just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just figured it so, out. Timeline wise. You volunteered, got priority registration, which means that opened like a week after the the previous year's race. So you basically had one year to go. Is that is the math about right? Yeah, I had one year, and I and I just dragged my feet until when I called Matt. I think in February of the year of the race. Yeah. Well, here's the the crazy thing is that me and Ash, like you know, she lives up in Boston, and I'm down here in Jersey. And we didn't we talk fairly often, but not that often, not nearly as much as we do now since going through that together, uh, both doing Ironmans, but we're just talking on the phone about planning a spearfishing trip. And we do that like once a year. And she's like, you know, I just signed up for this Ironman. I'm like, what? That's how it happens. We didn't even know that we were both getting into the same world wow. of pain. Oh, wow. It turned out that, uh, she had signed up with uh, my other cousin, her brother, Randy. And so that's how you heard about Matt then. And then Ashley referred me to Matt. Cause I'm like, I waited too long. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, I definitely need a coach. That was it. Yeah, I called Matt. He was really responsive. And from the start was like, yeah, no problem. You could do that. You have time. No problem. But you got to get your things done. You got to learn how to swim. You got to learn how to ride a bike. I didn't know how to change gears. You know, I didn't <laughs> even own a road bike. Went out and bought a road bike. I think when we, you know, to jump in there, I remember that call and I remember talking with Anthony and I'm sitting here thinking, oh boy, what are we, what are we getting into? And I honestly, I remember telling him, I was like, yeah, you can finish. Like, and I remember tell, talking to him is there's performance and then there's finishing. Like if this is a bucket list thing that you want to do, we will get you to the finish line. Like it is very accomplishable. I mean, here's a guy that's motivated that that's obvious. You can hear it in his voice right now. Here's somebody that's dedicated. I could tell he was task oriented and would get the training in and do it. And yeah, there were some problems. We had a swimming issue. You know what I mean? It was like, Hey, uh, what's a wetsuit? Like I need to get a wetsuit. I remember talking him through that, talking about shifting. Oh boy. Nutrition was a big one. We talked about quite a bit and he already kind of joked about like bonking on the bike and, you know, caloric deficits. And, uh, you know, he used my analogy. You got to put fuel in the engine, you know, um, and running and blisters and shoe selection and just, you know, tons of different things. But he was coachable. He soaked it up like a sponge and he was so just like, uh, responsive and you couldn't ask for somebody better. And the cool thing was, and we already talked about this is getting to race side by side, but side by side at Placid was amazing. And then to make it even sweeter, I did Maryland that same year side by side with Ashley. So that was really kind of cool to get to be able to be part of not only as the coach, but that day to be able to race with Anthony and then two months later actually race next to Ashley. So that was a pretty cool experience on my end. Anthony, can we? I would like to break down a little bit starting in the sport. I mean, couched Ironman, not quite couch. You were definitely a physical 
fit person, but getting into the sport, you mentioned a bike, mentioned shoes and things like that. Is there something that you just didn't think about? Like what, what blew your mind about getting yourself prepared for this, let alone the training? Um, I would say like the swimming drills were like Chinese to me and I don't speak Chinese. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't read Chinese. But um, yeah, no, definitely, I would say the swimming equipment, you know, going out, buying the fins, and um, just some of the the duck dives, what were they? Dive to the bottom of the pool. and the... <laughs> Sink downs? Uh, sink downs. Sink downs. Everything. Yeah. Like, every little thing was just, like, just mind-blowing. And a YouTube video, um, the tri-dot was helpful because it did have videos of all the drills linked and explaining, like, everything. Um, the mechanics of running those little like hop skips, those drills, correct me, uh, Matt. A skips and B skips. Yeah. A skips and B skips. There you go. Oh, you know what? No, I will say what was mind blowing was the fundamentals of like zone training with the running. Cause with running for me, it's just sneakers. Right. So it made a lot of sense. And uh, just keeping the heart rate within a range, you know, Matt telling me like, you don't want to go over that heart rate for that that session and to me i'm like what like don't i want to blast my heart rate because if you know nothing about nothing that's what you're going to think but that's the, the worst thing you can do and learning about zone training was huge to me and it's helped me help people like pass things now because uh just basically give them their zones that you find online through through a different couple of parameters and it's just it's it's brilliant it really is and that to me was mind-blowing and it's not an easy concept to to understand right away yeah the, the um, whole like run slow to run fast right you don't want to do it all yeah. the time right you got to run fast to run fast but you do, do also less to do more it's like compound yep. interest exactly yeah. but the consistency of it is what's key and yeah that was mind-blowing i'm like oh so you want me to run slower you know as a guy that's just getting into this i'm like all right <laughs> i got it, took it a lot to trust it didn't it yeah. trust the process yeah but then the frustration of not staying in your zone and the pace going up and down like crazy looking at your watch every five seconds <laughs> but, uh, you know, that never ends. So the bike, you said you you did not change gears. What did that take to get yourself comfortable to know you can do 112 miles and then and then run off that, by the way? <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, time on the bike, time in the saddle. Um, I was doing Zwift, like, probably too much. And that's like you got to get outside because you're not going to learn how to shift being on Zwift every day. And for me, it's just, it was like a... It was an environmental issue because I had to load my bike up, drive somewhere to drive because I live in a, in a very urban area. So it's not safe for me to drive from here up north to where I typically would, uh, would ride. So I avoided it till the last two months. Uh, but then I was able to get those rides in. And um, we have a ride around me from uh, it's called 9W. It goes up to Bear Mountain. It's really popular from Fort Lee, New Jersey. And... That was my ride. I was doing that uh, on my long rides. I think we're on Sundays. So I was doing that eight hours a Sunday, every Sunday for probably the better part of two months. And that's just where I learned how to shift and how not to shift. Uh, I learned how to crash for sure. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Yeah. So crash, uh, you did oh, have crash. a fall or two? Well, I learned how to crash at a complete stop. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Getting bun- Was that clipping in? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> clipping in or Yeah. I wish, I, I wish Matt would have told me that, uh, that little tidbit. Some things you just got to learn on your own, man. Some things you just got to oh, learn, yeah. you know? 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, I imagine getting outside had to have been critical, especially, I mean, you, you took on Placid. You didn't take on, you know, one of the easier courses. You took on one of the hardest courses for your first one. And that keen descent, yep. right? If you don't have bike handling skills, you're, you could actually be dangerous, not just yourself, but other people out on the course. So uh, I agree. That's super important too. it. And I'm glad you got to get outside. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit of luck too, because that route that I was saying, uh, 9W from Fort Lee to Bear Mountain is, a, a lot of elevation yeah and then coming back for the for the next 40 miles back is just all downhill so it was just perfect it worked out for me and i didn't choose it for that reason i didn't know i didn't know there was that much elevation there I never rode a bike there it just worked out mm -hmm. so take us through the process of getting to race day that week because an iron man there's a lot to do before you even tow the line what, what was that like well it was uh i'm, I'm an adhd guy through and through i wait to do everything at the last minute. I remember a conversation with Matt where I was doing all my workouts like in the last hours of my day and rather than getting up to do my workouts in the morning. So if anyone is uh, wanting to do this, if possible, it's not ideal. So Matt's telling me, you know, you want to train your body to get up to do this stuff in the morning because the race is in the morning, you know, and I, I didn't do that and I regretted it, but I got it done. Um, so... Just uh, nutrition, uh, getting ready for nutrition up until race day and on race day was a daunting task. Um, switching things up at the last minute, I did that. That was a mistake, a lot of mistakes along the way. Can you repeat your question? <laughs> well, um, let's take uh, getting to the start line to that swim. Like how, how early did you get to site? What was it like getting in line? You know, tell us a little bit of how the nerves felt and, you know, just get, and then walk oh, yeah. us through your race day. Okay. Well, um, I got there, I think three days prior, it was like, I mean, if you've never done a 5k, you have to imagine you've never done a turkey trot, like nothing. You just don't know how to get ready for these things. You don't know how to pack your bags. Uh, when should I get there? When should I be here? You're like looking at eight different documents from Ironman like all the literature, the maps, and there's like really nobody that was staying with me was anything more than like a supportive friend or family member. So they didn't know. So just a lot of phone calls uh, to Matt, Ashley, where should I be? And it forced me to like make friends, right? So I've, I've met friends on the warm-up rides and things like that. I think uh, on the warm-up swims, the warm-up, the shakeout runs and things like that. Um, and this was with TriDot, you were able to link up with people? Oh yeah, that's right. Actually, I forgot about that tidbit, but that was, uh, those were tried out organized things. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So I met up with the other athletes and they, they helped me along the way about how to pack my bags, where to drop my bags. It's clear as day in literature, but it just doesn't make sense because you're really stressed out. You can read something eight times. It just doesn't make sense. And you're like, so I'm putting my sneakers in this bag to go this station. Like, but where, how many stops are there? You know, what is it like to stop in an aid station? Aid stations are Gatorade and and food or they're my, my bag. Like what it just, it's totally mind blowing to somebody who just throws themselves into it. But, uh, I figured it out. I figured it out. And just through the help of like, just peers, friends, people, I would stop somebody walking by me like, Hey, you racing? See the wristband? Like, Hey, like, where do I go? What do I do? Every time though, community was just incredible. So helpful. So pleasant. So kind. Nice. Yeah. Prior to race day, had you put your wetsuit on and gone in the open water, or was that your first open water swim at the same time? I also, 
uh, delayed on doing any open water swim. Okay. I, I, yeah, I got Despite pretty comfortable encouragement. in the pool. Yeah. I remember the day the light bulb went off swimming, though. I was like, wow, like you can swim like almost like you can walk. You can go super slow. But before that, when you're learning to swim, you go too, just too fast because you can't keep that, that buoyancy. But anyway, uh, as far as the wetsuit. That's a I, great tip, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So true. I did uh, two open water swims in Long Branch, New Jersey. Um, Facebook group I found. So, yeah, I found two. It's a pretty big community down there. I wish I can remember the gentleman's name. He's been running it for years. Uh, he's a really nice guy. He runs those swims. And I did two open water swims. They're only like a mile. But I know that my cousin, who is also training fireman, he's just admitted to me that his first open water swim, he freaked out. He had to like go right back to shore. It was overwhelming for him. He was sucking in water. That wasn't my first experience. I could really just like talk myself through things not panic. So I'm like, Oh, you know what? That felt pretty good. So I did the second one and I was like, you know what? Like I'm not really worried about open water. Nice. Okay. And that's like, I think really unique for me. A lot of people need 20, 30 swims open water. So I got lucky with that for sure. So Lake Placid's unique because I mean, they corral you in and that line is really long before you get to the start line. So how did you get yourself lined up and how did you feel on that swim course because it's a two loop course. So that also adds a crowd aspect yeah. to it. The, the two loops adds the crowd aspect and it also gives, uh, it increases anxiety for me because you have to see the same scenery twice and then mentally know, like I have to do that again. Again. Yeah. So you kind of touch land, you, you kind of touch land, that little sand Island in Placid and you go right back in. And I'm like, I don't know. Like you just, try to talk yourself out of these things human nature and you're like <laughs> yeah. i don't know about this you know and then halfway through that course you're like oh yeah i got this <laughs> yeah. yeah it's phenomenal and so you get out of the water uh long run into the transition tent that's your first transition i mean what oh, was yeah. that like <laughs> i remember i didn't let anyone help me uh strip my wetsuit okay. not because i didn't want them to i just didn't even see them because i was just like you know what am i tunnel doing vision. Like, where do i go tunnel vision like absolutely tunnel vision i remember like being really nervous am i gonna find my bag where's my bag i tried studying the lanes that it was in uh it's just you know it's anxiety with your anxiety ridden that first experience uh, i don't know if you guys could relate from your first in the adrenaline yeah. you're just like yeah Absolutely. I'm just yeah. thinking of my, I, my first was a sprint and the panic and the, you know, short swim and all that stuff. And you're doing a full. So I'm, yeah. I'm really identifying with you. I mean, it, it, you took on the Mac Daddy. <laughs> yeah. So I remember the, the, the shrimp soup, swippers, volunteers, uh, love the volunteers. I volunteered great people. Um, I just ran right by them and I ended up taking my own wetsuit off. And, uh, don't do that. <laughs> you know, let, <laughs> let them help you. They're there to help you, you know, remember that they're there. What about remember finding your bike in the sea of bikes and that transition? Cause that was a huge transition too in the, in the infield of the oval. Yeah, that wasn't too bad because I definitely like walked through where I was going Good. when I dropped it off. So you I, rehearsed I, that. Yeah. yeah, I rehearsed for sure. I bought a little, this little flag that goes on your seat post. And I put my sticker on that, so that was kind of sticking out. Everyone had a, a 
an aero bike and I had just a regular bike. So a road bike. So that stuck out. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what is that like? Because I know there's, you know, a lot of people that A, are considering doing triathlon in in general, but then B, especially Ironman. And, you know, a lot of people have time trial bikes, you know, TT bikes versus um, road bikes. And some people will even think, oh, you can't do an Ironman without a TT bike, but you absolutely can. Um, what was, what was the bike like? And, um, you know, being on the road bike for that long. I have another tip. Don't get your fitting like two weeks before you race. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know? Yeah. So yeah. I just didn't do a fitting and I just like put it off, put it off, put it off. You guys see a theme here. You put things off, you suffer more in the long run. Um, <laughs> just get it done. I, I went like two weeks before the race to get a fitting. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm going, I'm dealing with the numbness, which gave me a lot of anxiety. Um, and I was dealing with like, you know, your arms, just your hands go numb and everything else. Yeah. And I'm sure it happens when you're just getting used to being in the saddle for hours on end, fitting or not. So I definitely wanted nothing more than to have a TT bike because once I get into something, like I want to go all the way. Yeah. But by the time I asked Matt about it, he's like, dude, you don't need it. You don't need it. Um, there's a lot of elevation. I think that was another aspect to it, Matt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, like you're not going to be, you're not going to be, what is it? Tucked? How do you say it? You're not going to be down on your bars. In arrow. Yeah. You're not going to be in arrow, um, you know, going uphill. So I think that was a consideration. Was that, was that right, Matt? It was. Uh, there yeah. was definitely a lot on that because I mean, he had had a road bike and a lot of his training was on that. And, you know, by the time he was really getting to the point where he's like, ah, you know, I'd been recommending the bike fit for quite some time. We had talked about cleats and just about, you know, bike shorts and making sure he had like correct, uh, you know, bike shorts, good shorts and, um, body positioning and everything like that. And, uh, you know, guy just had a busy schedule and, you know, it's, it's make time or eventually you'll have to make time if you know what I mean. But, um, it was just one of those where it was like, you know, a month out from a race is not when you want to get a new bike and have to like learn everything again, going from road to arrow. So he had been training on that road bike and it was just like, no, let's stick to what you know, you know, and if you fall in love with the sport at when this is done, then we'll start talking about getting you on a TT bike and a and a time trial bike. Yeah, and I, and I think that was a great call because, I mean, it all worked out. I still dealt with discomfort and numbness, but that's everybody out there, and I'm learning, so mm-hmm. that's it. I mean, obviously, in training, you probably ran off the bike, but uh, let's, let's wrap Lake Placid up. You get off the bike, and then you got to run a marathon. What do you think? <laughs> like, how did that go? How did the, how did nutrition, you said you you made a mistake switching nutrition. What, what were the things that, that cropped up there? I was disciplined in my nutrition by, uh, by what me and Matt had discussed and planned on with what protocol I've been training with, which was just using cliff bars that worked out really well for me. And I'm not sure if it's what I was eating at the aid stations or if it was the, um, the hammer nutrition enduro tabs, are they, Matt? Enduralites, the electrolytes. Enduralite, the capsules. I don't know if it was the gelatin I had an allergy to or something, but the first time I took those was race day. Before that, it was all like this pre-mixed thing I was doing. So I think like the gelatin, because me and I have an intolerance that I learned on race day, was messing with me. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I did stick to the protocol. I'm not that wild. 
but I did learn something Matt said is like nutrition is the fourth discipline and it's not because you got to get all the right things only, but because when you don't feel like getting something in, you got to get it in. So I learned that, you know, you're forcing yourself to get your liquids in, you're forcing yourself to get your different solids in or, and whatever else. So that is, I mean, when your tummy's upset and you got to stop at every porta potty and you're forcing yourself to drink that Gatorade, you would think at mile 20 that you would want Gatorade, but you don't want it. And that was something that I had to learn. And I just forced myself to drink that. And if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have finished. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Did you, yeah. what did you think of the chicken broth? Did you do that? I don't think I did touch chicken <gasps> broth. You're missing out. I think I did. <laughs> Unless you're vegan, totally, or vegetarian, totally get that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I, I did chicken broth. It was liquid gold. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> as much as I would have rather been done before it came out, I was grateful it was there. I did chicken broth at another endeavor when I tried to okay. do an ultra. Oh. 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 oh we're going to have to hear this story next. Yeah. Yeah. disaster. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just gets you to the finish line here. And, you know, you're one of the few people that will have ever gotten Mike Riley to call you an Ironman at the finish. What was that like? Were your supporters there? And uh, how did it feel to, to cross the finish line? It was just like seconds of bliss and then just uh, a lot of pain <laughs> just immediately after the adrenaline wears off it just whacks you but you're being wacky you're just talking crazy and you, you know people are looking at you like what's going on with this guy but i mean your family i mean they can't understand the other athletes totally get it but it was it was pure bliss i mean you're done you made it the anxiety is just all in that one instance just fade away it's just all gone. The anxiety you've had for six months for me, but for others, years, a year, it's just all gone. You know, all the self-doubt, all the peer doubt, the potential embarrassment that you think you'll get if you don't finish, you know, all those different things we put ourselves through. It just fades away at the finish line. And uh, it's amazing. And hearing your name called out, as everyone knows, is amazing. I think did Riley retire soon after? Yep. Hadn't announced in a while, so I was one of the last to hear it. So that was huge. Um, definitely have it on video. I love it. I watch it every now and then when I need a little pick-me-up. I imagine you've talked with your, I think you said, middle-aged Irish man, or you might have had more colorful language. What did he think of all this? He was able to catch me at the finish line. Oh, pretty cool. So he volunteered as well with his wife, and he was able to catch me at the finish line. A uh, tidbit I forgot to mention is that when I volunteered at the finish line at the year prior when he raced, I caught him. So, Aww. yeah, it was pretty cool. That's Big awesome. hug. That is cool. Probably the most genuine real hug I've ever gave anyone in my life. Oh, that's man, awesome. that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. That, it was really good. That, we got that on video, and I'm, you know, I'm going to have that forever. It was a really good moment. Oh, that's that, man. I think it's one of my most favorite podcast moments, guys, right yeah. there. That, <laughs> that's really freaking cool. And j I want to throw this out here, and I know finishing Ironman is a huge accomplishment in and of its own. You've heard Anthony talk about his training. You've heard him talk about, you know, kind of the mishaps. Anthony, what was your – do you remember your finishing time at uh, Placid? Oh, I don't remember. I think it was just uh, – the max is like 17. I think it was 15.55 or – yeah. I mean, he went into this within not even six months of training 
from nothing and did an Ironman in sub 16 hours. He finished. And I mean, I will tell you when this guy, when Anthony came to me and said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know, our goal was finish. And, um, you know, I, I, I've never had somebody soak up the training that was so novice. You got to think as a coach, people come in with preconceived ideas of what works They you know, they think they know what they're doing, but when you have somebody that is so green, that comes in, that's just like, Hey, I'm a piece of clay mold me, you know, and truly honestly wants to learn and get educated and understand all this. I mean, you have, you have the ability to shape this, you know, and I mean, you were very coachable. It was a ton of fun, man. We had some laughs. I remember some of our conversations about numbness, about nutrition, about, about what, you know, what we're going to wear and, you know, like all these different things. And it's just like, I remember getting off the phone and my jaw hurting after some of these coach calls (laughs) from laughing so hard with them, you know? And, um, Anthony, didn't didn't you like get a brand new kit like right before race day? I swear Matt was like, Anthony's like thinking oh, about yeah, racing that. in this brand new kit that he's not <laughs> worn before. And I was like, what is he thinking? <laughs> yeah, I I did that. Yes, I did. You swam in it, right? <laughs> no, I didn't actually. What did I do? I told you to ride in the bike shorts. I called an audible. I ended up putting it in my, uh, it's not the eighth station. Where do you pick up your stuff? What's it called? Special needs bags or morning drop. Yeah. Yeah. So that morning I was dead set on using the new kit because like being just being me like, Oh, well I want to be wearing this nice thing when I cross the finish line. It was (laughs) so ridiculous. I ended up putting it in the, uh, in the aid station or special needs bag and changing into it before the last leg of my run. Yeah. So you did get to look good. (laughs) Cause I'm like, yo, I bought it. Damn it, I'm wearing it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of that weekend, Anthony, and I hope you remember this, was, um, you know, it was me, you, and Jillian at the pancake breakfast. Do you remember that? And we were sitting there, and we had met up at the pancake breakfast that they were putting on, and we were sitting there eating Iron Man pancakes. And I think you and I were going pancake for pancake, man. We were going back and forth just pounding oh, pancakes. Yeah. But oh, I just remember sure. sitting there. And I've got a photo of you and me that I still like to look at every once in a while. And you've just got this grimace on your face, this smile of just like, man, like you were just soaking it up. Like you were so happy and just so excited. And I remember like all weekend long, getting the texts, getting the phone, the messages like, Hey, what do I do with this? Hey, where do I put this? Hey, you know, and it was such a fun experience because it's like, you know, some of the things that a lot of us as triathletes take for granted and expect everybody to know, it's like, I had to step back and be like, man, like, yeah, he, he doesn't know this stuff. And, and it just reiterates and, supports that that there's no such thing as a dumb question you know and um if you don't ask you don't know and uh you were just soaking it all up and that was just that was such a cool weekend and i was just it was a lot of fun to be there with you likewise it was great uh thinking back on it um i really remember sitting there soaking it in and saying wow this is really this is really awesome and uh it's just like a candid iron man moment meeting iron man pancakes it was a beautiful day out i just dropped my bike off um that's when like the dust kind of settled and i figured out the bags and i started to feel like a little bit better about all of the uh, preemptive things before the race and then i got to dial things in with you uh gave me you know whatever inspirational ass tidbits and tips you had for me and it was it was great it was a really nice moment 
You crossed that finish line, and I remember not too long after that, we got home. I think we had a follow-up coach call together, and we started talking about a few things, and uh, all of a sudden, you had this wild idea. Do you remember what that wild idea was when you finished Placid? My uh, cousin had Maryland for the next month, maybe August, and I had just yeah, finished two months later. in July. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to register. I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you I think guys you all, did register. Yeah. yeah, I did, actually. I did register, and then uh, just fell apart. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it. Just threw away the entry fee. I, I seem to remember sitting there saying to him, hey, Anthony, this, this, isn't, this isn't unusual. Like, just, just sleep on it. Give, it. give it a couple days. Let's see if this emotion still stays there. And he was on such an emotional high. And when I'm, I'm telling you, when he <laughs> says he's in, he's all in. It was, I'm going to go get that aero bike. I'm going to sign up for this. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, just just hold tight. Like I, I love the, you know, the excitement. And I, I remember getting a text. He's like, yeah, I'm in, I signed up and I'm like, okay, okay, cool. All right, Anthony. Um, you've, you haven't trained now in two, three weeks. Like we haven't ran, we haven't swam, we haven't biked. And he's like, oh, I'm going to get started. I'm going to get started. And like he said, in his words, it just kind of was like, ah, eh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> just maybe not. Just maybe not. <laughs> But yeah, you get that high and you guys um, are all, you know, giggling because you get it. And it's only something yes. you understand after a race. You just finish, you're on cloud nine, you're high, you're unstoppable. But then there's, then you get a crash too, right? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Is this one and done or what is your uh, triathlon world like now? Probably not done. I'm probably going to like at some point, knowing my brain, want to prove to myself in 10 years or something, five years, oh, see if you still got it, you know, more of a prove something to yourself thing for me and prove myself right the first time around. And whenever I got to prove myself wrong and right again, I'll do it again. You mentioned an ultra earlier. Was that after Lake Placid? It was after Placid. That was this past summer. Ah. I, oh, you've got to get into it now. Yeah. How did this come up? <laughs> we need to know. <laughs> Who challenged you this time? Just another alcohol-induced challenge? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Just uh, okay. ego. Ego <laughs> induced. have to think about ego. it. Ego. <laughs> yeah. So when we say ultra, uh, what distance are we talking about? It was 100. 100 mile or 100K? 100 mile. Whew. Okay. So, yeah, the full Monty. All right. All in, yeah. right? Little, the sky. Yes. Yeah. The sky's the yeah. limit. Which event are we talking about? It's called the uh, Day at the Fair. Pretty well known. It's uh, it's in New Jersey. It's like an unlimited. You guys are aware? No, okay. I'm not familiar. So it's just it's, yeah. it's an open goal. It's an open goal type of thing, and people come and they camp out, and uh, they go up to 300 walking, running. You know, people go there to to uh, officially get on record to break their their goals. And uh, you do an official registration, you're, you're chipped, uh, you wear your chip, and people go and they accomplish some crazy things. People just go to walk 300, walk 100 just to prove to themselves they could. People go do an ultra run for 100, and you just kind of just show up and go. And it's unique because it's not any one goal that you've been working towards or that you can put in your head and say, okay, once I get there, I mean... Most people go there. They don't know what they're going to do. They just go and see how they do. It's unique in that sense. Is it a, a loop course? So you, you go right back and then you decide to go another loop or how is it set up? 
From what I remember, it is a loop for sure, but I'm not sure on the distance. I think it's a one-mile loop. Okay. So you just keep ticking them off until you cry uncle. Keep saying the same thing over and over. Brutal. That sounds That that is part of the endurance right there. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about walking or like getting my way into this challenge. Um, After Ironman, I just took a good two, three months off. No physical activity. You know, I'm here because I'm special in the fact that I'm like ultra average, right? So I'm going to be completely honest. Three months, nothing, just enjoyed the rest of my summer. A lot of hanging out, a lot of beers with the friends. I got back heavy into the gym in that following year, and I was like cutting. And, you know, I must have put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle. I was shredded. I was looking really good. So I was up on my um, my lifting, but I was not up on my cardio. But when you look like that, you feel like you feel great. <laughs> feel like you know so you feel super confident you feel awesome and that's the only way i can imagine why i would do such a thing but my my cousin he calls me and he's like hey um my aid my sherpa dropped out for my ultra he's been preparing for this for over a year um he tried to tackle it the year prior didn't get it and then he's going back into it. It's a huge goal of his. He's like, do you want to come? you want to share with me? And I'm like, you know what? It's just like, I'll do it with you. <laughs> and he's laughing. He's like, dude, he's like, I've been training for a year. You're like, you're not going to just do 100. I was like, yeah, I will. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, Goggin. <laughs> yeah, too many, one too many podcasts for me. Right. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, just... Three days later, I showed up, picked up a box of uh, Cliff Bars and cooler full of ice and Gatorade, sunscreen, my running kit, and I went to an open registration. I walked in, I paid. I made it to, I did make it to mile 37. Wow. That's impressive. And no, 37, I mean, I could be lying, but I'm not. It was a straight run of 37 miles, you know, only stopping for uh, nutrition and things like that every like five miles. So it's for real. You know, I got my first, <laughs> I got, what is a hundred K? I think it's my first hundred K, right? Uh, well, 37 would be a 50 K. Yeah. 50 K. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Okay. So I got my first something, but it wasn't a hundred miles. <laughs> so yeah. I hadn't talked to Anthony in probably months at that point. And, uh, I, I remember I got a text message. I want to say like a day or two after that. And it was just like a, Hey, guess what I did this past weekend? And it was like, uh, and he was like, I did my first ultra and he was like, my feet are shredded. If I recall. Oh I yeah. Remember. I did my first cause ultra starts at something like, what yeah. is the first 50 K okay, 50 K. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. So it's your feet that stopped you. Like what was that ultimately 37 was as far as you could go. Cause your feet were just what killed you or what, what stopped you at 37? I feel like, um, things were going great. It was just the impact on my feet. It's at that point, your feet are like, whatever's soft is, doesn't feel soft anymore. You just feel like you're going bone to ground Yeah. and everything else honestly felt okay Yeah. for the pace that I was going, um, which is not good. It was between 12 and 13. That's, that's how ultras are. Yeah. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. For, 
<laughs> three days notice. Three days of training. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't train. I, I was I was gonna train, but I didn't have time. Yeah, <laughs> and you looked good, so you didn't need to. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and the comments I was getting, like there was, there was people there that had been training for this, and I came out there and I said at this point I was shredded, and they're like, you know, you know, straight up like you're never gonna make it, you know. Because they just, they just knew, they knew more than me. They knew that with the way I was looking and how lean I was, that just doesn't fly, you know? Pretty cool. It's still impressive. You, sh- you have a lot to be proud of there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, foolhardy. You look up foolhardy in the dictionary, I'm, there's a picture of me. I love oh, it. Oh, boy. You know, the one last thing I was going to say is just, Anthony, I mean, your passion, you can just tell you, you're fun. You're in it for a good time. It's like, you know, your buddies are like, hey, let's do this or hey, you can't do this. And I think you like proven to yourself that you can do stuff. You know what I mean? I won't say that when people, uh, you know, say are naysayers that that was what motivates you. But I think at the bottom of all this, the, the part that I get is that you do this to prove to yourself that you're capable of stuff. And that's pretty cool to be able to dig deep and um, kind of find what I call that third gear. If you remember us using those words before of getting beyond the physical and getting to the mental and really digging deep and accomplishing hard things. So, I mean, whether it's jumping in and just doing an Ironman in six months or jumping in and three days later, trying to go after your first ultra, but um, I don't know what you got next. I don't know what's coming up, but I know there's going to be a great story behind it. And I know you're going to give it 120% in whatever you do. So After uh, a few months, of course, right? So <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> after yeah. a few months. Yeah. But just keep being you. And I mean, stay shredded, man. Stay shredded. That's what this is about, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Sun's out, guns out, baby. That's it. I think the great thing about Anthony's story, too, is reminding all of us who probably take things a little too seriously that we got to just have fun yeah. and, and keep it keep it real. Recognize we're eight troopers. This is not our full-time job and uh, make the most of it. And with what the time you have, you still will finish. And Anthony's proof of that for sure. The time you have, the equipment you have, like to show up. Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, all right, guys. Thanks for listening to the triathlon age group journey. And Anthony, thank you so much for joining us, telling your journey in triathlon and beyond. And uh, we wish you the best of luck in whatever you get into in your future. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us on Instagram at triathlon age group journey, or our email is triathlon age group journey at gmail.com. This is episode 48. So two more to 50. Um, We're pretty excited for those upcoming episodes and hope you are too. If you have a story and want to reach out, let us know. We're looking for more folks to tell their journey because I tell you what, it always makes me smile every time to hear everyone's route through this sport. It, It really inspires not only us, but others that are listening. So thanks for listening in, everyone. You're keeping us going every week or as often as we can get one recorded. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Everybody be good. Thanks, guys. Have a Have a good week. Groundhogs didn't see a shadow. Spring is soon. Spring is soon. Let's see if it's the truth. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I got to start cutting, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)